Welcome to Too Old for TikTok, the podcast where two 30-year-olds guide you through the latest trends, creators, and stories from the TikTok universe. I'm Melissa Rosen. And I'm Dina Greenbaum. Somebody come get them. They're too old for TikTok. Somebody come get them. They're too old for TikTok. Hello, Melissa. Hi, Dina. How are you? I'm good. I had a great Thanksgiving. How are you and how was your Thanksgiving? I'm good. We bought turkey cutlets from Trader Joe's and I overcooked them by like several hours. So I ruined Thanksgiving, but so did just the year in general. So it's fine. The year did ruin Thanksgiving. And that's probably the least surprising thing I've ever heard that you overcook something. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why we even had the thought that I would make turkey cutlets like that was never gonna be a tasty meal so wait what is a turkey cutlet it's literally just like a chicken breast cutlet but but turkey turkey. yeah not a cold cut you would have been better off with a turkey sandwich we absolutely should have just gotten a turkey sandwich next year well hopefully next year (laughs) we'll be able to have large gatherings yeah hopefully i can have somebody else cook and not me but i've been getting through the holiday season by listening to our podcast. I like really love our podcast. I'm so excited with the interviews we've been doing. And this next one is really good. I just can't wait for everyone to hear it. Yeah, I've been really loving the guests we've had on and this week is no exception. He's so funny. He has a super interesting background, comedian, lawyer, just much smarter than your average person, much smarter than both of us. But we (laughs) had a a really great conversation and dive deep into topics such as the internet, obviously TikTok. We talk about fraudsters um, because our guest has a podcast about fraudsters and it's our first crossover podcast episode, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then as always, we finish with a super, super fun lightning round. Yeah, and it's funny because Cena is one of us. He's also a millennial. He also sort of was like the only person in his friend group that got into TikTok and everybody was like, why are you on this app where there's a bunch of teenagers? So we talk about that and how weird we feel sometimes and how outside of the box we can feel sometimes on TikTok. But uh, we, we try to make sense of it all. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, let's let's get to it. Sina Gaznavi is the host of the Spotify-exclusive podcast, Fraudsters, on the last podcast network and executive producer of Zero Cool Media. He's a producer, comedian, and lawyer who loves to make pizza from scratch. Welcome to Too Old for TikTok, Sina. Oh my God, I'm so excited. This is great. This was this show is, is helps me feel seen. <laughs> Sina feeling seen. I love that. (laughs) So we met through our mutual friend, Amanda Raposo, who is amazing. And we immediately hit it off because of our love for TikTok. (laughs) So I feel like TikTok unites strangers, which is great. So we bonded about being too old for TikTok. And you also have a podcast. So we bonded about that. So I figured we'd start off with if you can tell us your TikTok journey. Um, You know, uh, wow. I'm going to tear up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I think a couple years ago, I started seeing these 
uh, targeted ads on my Instagram. It was like a guy um, jumping or flipping in a pool, and it was the the kind of effect where it freezes and then it, add, it overlays it multiple times, and then he falls into the pool kind of thing. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was like I was, and they were like the new social media app, and it the thing that caught my eye, I was like, these fools, this TikTok, whoever these people are, are spending a ton of money on ads. They are spending so much money on ads. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, this is, they are really trying to get a lot of people. And I knew that like Instagram had gotten up to the fastest to a billion followers. There's always, there's that like weird infographic where it's like, Twitter, this is how long it took to get to a billion. I'm like, Facebook, like, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, it was like, Instagram, like, two weeks. Blah, blah. So <laughs> I don't think it was two weeks, but there's that thing. But then it's TikTok. It was like the fastest. It was like eight seconds. Like, they got to a billion, billion users. And so I got really interested in something like that. And as a person in media and as a person in, in comedy and all these other things, I was really interested, interested to see what was just going on there. I knew, like with Snapchat, I was just hoping it was just slightly easier to use than Snapchat because I, I, I find Snapchat's user interface com- like a complete fog of war. I have no idea what I'm doing in there. I'm swiping. I have, I'm just hoping I don't cancel myself (laughs) incorrect swipe while I'm on Snapchat. So I opened TikTok and I realized, oh my gosh, like it's just showing me content. And then I had this, I I realized what, what they were doing. And it was that there was an AI that was showing me what was popular. It wasn't that I had choice. They had taken choice away from me. But there was a sense of joy that they were showing me what was amazing. And an example I use, and I I told you this example, Dina, when we were hanging out, is that TikTok, I immediately realized, was like when you're doing comedy at a comedy show and you're looking out at the audience and in the front row, there's a robot. And when that robot starts laughing, the entire room starts laughing. So all you have to do is perform for the algorithm and then you can actually dominate all of TikTok. And there's people that are making those uh, kind of experiments to game the algorithm and what would, what would does it take and stuff like that. And so for me, I realized I was like, that is, that is insidious, but also extremely interesting. And then I fell in love with like the cute parent pranks and the dance, like the like little teen Korean boys that are just like doing like the choreographed dance perfectly and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I don't know if that sounds super creepy that I'm saying teen Korean boys, but everyone, if you're on TikTok, you know what I mean? <laughs> so from there, it was lights out. And then I started ruining cocktail parties that I was at for like the next six months. Everyone, I'd, anyone I could, I talked to. I remember going to a wedding and you go and you're like holding your drink and there's a group of three or four people there. And you're just trying to like talk about what's up. You're shooting the shit. No one wants to talk about politics. All right, I'll talk. Have you seen TikTok? <laughs> People are like, oh, whatever. I don't want to talk about TikTok. And then one by one, you know, in stand up, we have this thing called, you know, when people get up and leave, they, we call it walking the room, right? And you count. It's like I walked six people tonight because your comedy was so bad. I walked every <laughs> cocktail group that I was in at this wedding. Not a sing- even my wife and my best friend were there, and they were like, "Cena, you gotta stop. No one wants to fucking talk to you about TikTok." Look who's laughing now. 
I'm so happy you and Dina found each other because that was Dina for the longest time. She was trying so hard to get all of our friends into TikTok. And me included, I was just like, not interested. Like, it's for teenagers. I have no desire. I'm too old. But eventually she hooked me. Really, it was the pandemic. I think a lot of people were like, all right, I give up. Let's do this. Was there a piece of content that, that hooked you? Or was it just the you know existential dread? I think, <laughs> honestly, it was more the existential dread. My Because my experience when I first got onto TikTok, I was so put off by it. I thought it was too intimate. Like, I thought it was weird that they were showing me content right off the bat without me having any say. Because it, it's very anti how we've used Instagram and Facebook. Like, it's so opposite that. And I was like, this feels weird just being in like somebody's living room watching them do a dance. This feels very personal and intimate. But eventually, like, yeah, Dina starts sending me videos. I get on like dog TikTok, which is exciting to me. And now I'm just like, oh, it knows me to a T now. It has really mm. specific, like it knows my sense of humor. It's gotten eerily good at giving me the content I enjoy. Well, if you're in China, I would say she she to the government <laughs> for th- for giving us such beautiful content. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, this, it, for me, it, it is a complete, uh, total like time warp that you can just drop into so easily. And like, really, like I, I'm also one of those people that when I'm trying to watch a movie with my wife, I'm watching 25 minutes of trailers, and then I'm just like. Oh, pretty tired. We're gonna go to bed. <laughs> we just never pick a movie. Like yeah. TikTok is that perfect kind of element where you just get in there and you see an entire world. Did you guys like for me? I danced in my bedroom a lot. I had a mirror. I had like a closet mirror as the as a door to the, like a sliding door closet mirror, or whatever. And I danced constantly in front of that. Like Bobby Brown. I danced to the Bee Gees. I danced to like all those guys back in the 90s. Did you guys do that? So yeah, I, with like my bat mitzvah money, bought a video camera and basically what was I gonna film at like the age of 12, except myself dancing in my room. So if TikTok (laughs) was around when I was 12, I would probably never get a job as as a future adult. But yeah, so when Melissa was saying it felt like too intimate, it was like, that's exactly what I was doing when I was younger, was just dancing in front of a camera. And all of these people were doing the same thing. But then you realize how creative and how funny certain people are. And then when you get the content where they know, you know, the algorithm knows you're going to like it. It's like, wow, there's so many talented people out there and so much good content in the world that it's like the most fantastic thing. It is turning the the homeless into the to not homeless. Oh, it is- yes. changing people's lives like 420 guy lived in a trailer now he's like rubbing elbows with celebrities and getting huge endorsement deals and he's moved his kids he's a single father i believe too and he's like moved his kids into an apartment i believe i mean all these things have happened that are that are good things and all we had to do was just allow the chinese government to (laughs) enter our cerebral cortex and mine our emotional data for her in in perpetuity that's it big big trade it was worth it it was worth it yeah 
So we're very excited because this is our first sort of like crossover podcast interview. So you're the host of Fraudsters. Can you tell us a little bit more about the podcast? Yeah. So I I hate fraudsters. I, you know, some people are like, oh, I hate murderers or something inside of me started getting very angry a few years ago when Bernie Madoff happened. And now, you know, Elizabeth Holmes and even really the financial crisis. And I really dived. I really started understanding finance and understanding investments and stuff when the financial collapse happened. I was also in law school at the same time. So I had this like view into how people were lying and cheating and manipulating the financial system and taking advantage of vulnerable people and destroying people's lives. And for me, like I can understand murder. I can understand terrorism, you know, to a certain degree. I get it. You know, you get programmed when you're a kid. You hate America. You see a drone strike. You're a terrorist. You know what I mean? You know, you see see your partner with some other person in bed when you walk in. You know, it's a crime of passion. I get it, you know? But like the sociopath and like the manipulative nature of fraudsters where they know what they're doing is wrong and they yet they continue to do it and they do it so much where they distort their own reality to the point where that world is their truth. That little bubble they live in is their truth and then it destroys people's lives. And so I started looking into a couple projects in that space and I stumbled on and a, a story about a company called Uniprime, where the CEO got conned into uh, publishing. He got conned by a, a con artist, basically, to publish that he cured AIDS. And this was in 1999. And that company was called Uniprime. And we just did an episode on that. So our show is about people that do absurdly fraudulent things. And we break down how it happened. And then we also dig into, or at least try to, in the best we can with the research that we have, who these people were and what made them do the things that they they did, right? And we just did an episode on Jim Baker, the televangelist from the 1980s. That's now the guy that came out during the coronavirus pandemic as saying that silver nitrate is a cure for coronavirus and that he actually got wildly penalized. He can't take credit card payments anymore. Like everyone ran away from the guy. You have to like write a check and send it to him if you want to. And he was a habitual liar, but there's a story to him. There's a childhood that he had that created the person that he is. He had parents that impacted his life. He had moments in his teenage and his, in his adolescent years, and even into his twenties that, that made him see how being a fraud helped and that could be lucrative and how he could influence people in this way. And he was into the performing arts, which is inherently a bullshit industry. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't wait to talk about fraudster TikTok with you later on. And you mentioned, you know, you do podcasts and you do comedy. You are a lawyer. And just bringing it back to TikTok. So what do you think it is about TikTok as opposed to other mediums that makes it so great? Somehow TikTok has focused on the joy, the algorithm Uh, I think demotes polarizing content to a certain extent. Although I have gone down into like the political TikTok a little bit where you're just like, you're either seeing like the white supremacist make their like sober argument about why European heritage is better. And then you also have the person that's like 
soberly, like apolitical teen is a great person to follow because he's like 15 years old and he's a he's like a communist or a leftist. And he just has like very dry conversations with alt-right Trump supporters and he just breaks them down very quickly. They've managed to make it so palatable. It's short. You can't really interact in a um, in a way where it disrupts your the main flow of it. Like on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you can't you can't look away from the comments. You know, Twitter you have to you have to see them. But if you follow someone, it, you have to really go into the comments on TikTok. Really though, on TikTok, it's made to just keep swiping, keep using that thumb muscle, and keep you know what I mean, and keep swiping. And that's what they want. So they've focused. They, I think they've built up or promoted a lot of the more fun content, a lot of the more playful content, sometimes some of the more uh, sexually exploitative content, which plays well on the Internet, which makes you feel very uncomfortable. You try to swipe very quickly by those things. I wish I had like parents' email addresses to be like, hey, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Just a creepy 30 something on TikTok here warning you about what your children are up to. Yeah, but that's, you mentioned about the comments though. So that's one of the weird things is, yeah, TikTok doesn't, you're, like, you're, it, it doesn't really make seeing the comments super obvious. But what I learned the first few weeks into getting obsessed with TikTok is that the comments are amazing. And a lot of yeah. times they are what explains the comment, the, the content or what like expands upon it. Like they're very much a part of the video itself. So I wanted to get your take on the comments. If you're a comments guy or you seek through that, yeah, whatever. I, that's exactly right. And like, when I go to the comments, it's to like, okay, I don't understand what's happening in this video. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> see if the kids can tell me, mm -hmm. please children, tell me, explain to me. I have gray in my beard, please right. tell me. And then the other thing is like, all right, is someone going to say the hot take that I have? Almost 105% of the time, it's someone saying it. And then the responses, they did a really good thing where you respond with a video to the comment, which I think is a really genius move, yeah. where it's like, it's not like re replying in text and going back and forth. Because I always think about it when I was in law school, I realized something. The, the reason the law sucks is because it takes this visual world and it breaks it down into black and white text. Think about all the detail you lose and all the nuance that you lose. Oh my God, yeah. So when when you look at a comment and the only and like the best way for a creator to respond is to like whatever respond with a video, then you get such a different experience about what that is. You see their emotion, you see their face, you immediately are able to empathize with whatever they're saying, and you could see that happening. So I think that's one of the things that's magic about that and it's also good when they do the ones where it's like the freeze frame ones where you're supposed to pause or whatever i always just go to the comments it's just and they're just like it's nothing it just says fuck you yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny because that's happened to me too like thinking of comedy you know people are always like there's the first joke don't go with that joke like come up with some other iterations you realize how easy it is like we all will watch a video have that same first joke thought Go to the comments like, oh my gosh, I wonder if somebody said this. And of course they did. Of course they have. It's already gotten 20,000 likes. So I wanted to hear your thoughts too as a comedian. Like what type of comedy are you seeing on TikTok? What type of comedy do you like on TikTok? What's working for you? What's not? Well, for first, I think the there's like a, a macro issue to just kind of explain about like 
comedy in today's era of social media since let's say the iPhone of 2007 or even earlier when like Dane Cook made MySpace popular in like the early aughts, you started the commodification of, of jokes, the commodification of comedy. Like we sell comedy on social media now, like they sell pork belly futures on a market, right? <laughs> All of these things are just uh, assets. Real comedy, when, when you do stand up, you are conveying a unique personal experience and sharing that with everyone else and bringing people into your own experience of that thing. What happens when everyone has the same experience though? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like the inherent problem with, the, with social media in general. But that's where I start with comments on TikTok or, what, or comedy on TikTok in general, because everyone's kind of experiencing the same thing. What yeah. I love, what I love about the funny things, the things I find funniest on TikTok are the ones where it is like, here's the joke that we all know that we've agreed this is the bit, right? Like when the, um, like when the kid, uh, the son or the daughter and the mother have an agreement that he's or she is going to tell them or they are going to tell their parent that uh, to shut up. And the dad is sitting there ready, basically with his hand on his gun, ready to shoot his child for telling the mother <laughs> to shut up. And when you see that moment and what is comedy but tragedy plus timing, right? So you see that moment, the timing of that happening and the tension that happens there. And then it breaks when you just, you know, you're in on the joke. Everyone's in on the joke. And then you just hear the kid and the mother start cracking up and they're like, no, it's a joke. And then it stops like midway with the father, like, or like the mom, if it's a Middle Eastern mom or something, she's taking off her shoe and about to throw it at the child or something. Yeah. That's, that's basically, I, I'm looking for those intimate personal moments that are more unique. And so that and the um, when the uh, trans kid do their transformation, does fucking it's not necessarily comedy, but it's like one of those surprise things where you're like you are laughing, but it's not because it's a funny joke. You're laughing because you're so surprised at how amazing something like that can be, and like, it's so beautiful and wonderful to see and to be exposed to those those kinds of things. So the idea yeah. of comedy, I think, has the tent is so much bigger. We're not doing bits really anymore, right? We're, we're make, creating moments that surprise you and make you laugh. Absolutely. And I think you're one of the funniest people. So I'm wondering why you don't post any videos on TikTok. I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, with stand-up and with all these other mediums, I can like put dozens of hours of work. Like I put so much work into our podcast and still not where I want it to be necessarily right now. But like with my stand up for years, I would work and you'd go and you put up a joke. You'd see how it goes up and then you'd try it again and you'd work and rework that joke. What am I supposed, I'm supposed to do it once and then I was supposed to put it up? <laughs> Even I know the kids, they did like do multiple takes where they're trying to like hit a golf ball and it's bouncing four times and it hits the other thing and it ends up in a solo cup. You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I just that kind of time commitment for me is is gives me such anxiety. So the ones I think I have two, one is less like the face thing. If I could do it sitting there and making a funny face, I'll probably do it. But it's just, I have it figured out. It's like that engine in me isn't there. Like I get so frustrated because if this happened when I was a teen, I would be dancing every <laughs> single day on TikTok. I would be 
king fucking mirror dancer. That's what I would be just, oh, I had such great moves. I didn't care for the world. You know what I mean? I've got like, you know, I've got a job, I had a wife, you know, things. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's really tough. It's never like too late to dance on TikTok. When am I going to be funnier than a kid that has 10x more disposable time than me? Like, on t- I, I can't compete with that. I can't compete with that. So true. So true. Yeah, I've tried. Like, I will say I did get caught into the engine. Like, at a certain point, I was watching a lot of TikToks. And then I was just like, okay, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to make one. And and it, it was just sort of like, yeah, my take on a trend or on, you know, something that was happening. But like, they're not very good. Because yeah, it's like, I, I got to make dinner in 10 minutes. Like I have things to do. I'm not just like a teenager holed up in my room. You know what else you don't want to do? You don't want to go there and be like, oh, today, my, my partner left me. I, um, I had bought the engagement ring already. And I came home and house was empty. It's like, you just start crying. You don't want to do, you don't want to be stuff like that. And yeah. then people are like, oh, it's bad acting, bad acting. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like people are faking things. There's a lot of fraud fake shit that oh, happens yeah. too. Yeah. I, I won't get into it too early, but yeah, there's all, all kinds of stuff where they try to trick you. And then when I get tricked, I'm like, oh, God rascally little kids yeah all those day in the life videos a lot of people are getting in trouble for spending too much money all the comments are like how do you have this much disposable income to buy like 12 pair of gucci slippers in one day in new york city and then buy like a 30 dollar cup of coffee as well but those videos do really well not surprisingly they're polarizing i saw one where a kid was 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 buying some i guess you could open surprise boxes on gucci's website and you click the box for like $500 and it opens up and you can get one of several items. And he got like a $500 iPhone case and his boy's like, Oh, those terrible. I was like, that, that, what? That's <laughs> people's like food for a week's. It's like <laughs> deal or no deal, but you have to pay to play. It's so, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> TikTok giveth and TikTok taketh. Yeah. Yeah. Now getting a little more granular. So recently there's been this trend and it's, I ain't never seen two pretty best friends. It's always one of them that got to be ugly. So that's coming up on my For You page like all the time. And at first I was like, I don't understand what this means, but it's actually a very simple concept. Like if you have two friends, like one's ugly, one's pretty. Have you seen these videos? Have I seen them? I've lived that life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always go for the for the best friend because I'm always the wingman. <laughs> I don't know which part I play in, in, in my best friend situation, but I'm always the guy. It's like, oh yes, because usually, by the way, the not pretty quote pretty best friend is usually one with a better sense of humor, and that's always been my thing. So if you could laugh at a joke, you know, quote hot chicks don't like funny jokes. <laughs> Yeah, that's I've prided myself on being the friend, but having a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So I don't know. I, at first I was like, but I actually don't understand 
how it relates to some of the videos because it just feels like it's random when they bring it up. Like if we were in a room and we watched it, I would laugh like I knew what I was talking about, like I knew what was going on. But I have no idea. What is there? Have you guys figured this out? Well, I sent a video to Melissa and it was basically uh, someone put butter on their dog's head. And all of the comments were, I've never seen, you know, two pretty best friends. And I was like, Melissa, I don't understand why a dog with butter on their head is like part of this trend. And I have not figured it out. Melissa, have you figured it out? It's just, it's the thing is, to, and okay, so Sina, like, yeah, you're one of us. You're, we're too old for TikTok. So you are aware probably of like adult swim at, you know, it became this like type of sense of humor where it was like absurd, wacky, things didn't make sense. And that was sort of the joke. I'm finding a lot of TikTok humor is very similar to that, where it's like, it doesn't make sense. It's completely absurd. And everyone is sort of like in on it as the joke. But there's been plenty of times where I say to Dina too, I'm like, I don't get this. There was one video where the guy just spray painted a key, key, an outline of a key on a car. And it seemed like a perfectly innocent video. And then I went to the comments and everyone was like, I don't get it. And everybody in the comments was like, what's not to get? It's a key spray painted on a car. But it was like, that was the joke. Like, it's so just like, I don't even know if absurd is the word. It's like beyond that almost. It's almost like we're too old for TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) what are you kids doing yeah if if some gen z what's after gen z by the way what are the kids do they make one yet i don't know is it gen y (laughs) no why i think we go go backwards to go forwards we're in some hyperloop end of days generation i don't know but i think like I, i those are the types of jokes where I'm like, wow, see, what am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm doing. There. <laughs> I can't, I can't just jump in there. <laughs> if I did that, people would be like, no, I don't get it, man. What do you mean? Two best friends. Uh, never see two. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> the thing that's so funny about this is it plays off of like what you mentioned before. It's like a lot of people do these TikTok pranks where you know what's coming. We know the setup. We know what the conclusion is going to be. So I really don't know how this started, But it's become a bait and switch with this one joke where it's like, yeah, you think it's this girl telling her mom to shut up and we're going to see how the dad reacts. But in reality, the end of the joke ends up being, and then I said, I ain't never seen two pretty best friends. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's like the bait and switch of it all is what's funny. But I, I have no idea why people ever thought that would be funny. Like, well, I mean, I, well, so what you're describing there, actually, we can we can break that down comedically. That's actually that specifically, right? Because what is the joke but to go from A to B or A to C, right? You want to skip B. And if millions of people know this is the A to B, then just going from A to C or A to D or in this, this case, as absurd as it goes, A to J or M or L, you know what I mean? That is what will make your brain... in inherently almost subconscious start laughing because it doesn't know what to do with something like that yet the irreverence of it kind of is just like yeah yeah we're just doing this we just you just fell for this so hard and you're Mm -hmm. just laughter is the only thing that your body knows how to do to compute with that so what's on your for you page these days 
fuck. Let's look at it right now. Let's do, <laughs> let's do a live two, Twitter page. Two turn Tony. Oh, you you introduced me to two turn Tony, so I followed after we turn. And yes, it is was one of the best follows. Thank you for that. Oh, this is some sweaty guy at a DJ thing, like an EDM concert where he like makes the beat drop and it's like the DJ view. Uh, in a pandemic uh, though? Yeah, well some these look this looks pre-pandemic. I don't know. Chris like Tech House Rave. I don't know who this Mexico. thing is. There's a lot of like um uh black guys making fun of white people, like doing like there's a lot of like race TikTok. You know what I mean? There's like funny race TikTok and there's like you know, not so funny race TikTok. <laughs> You're on the funny side. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I mean I have I've gone through man, you know what happened to me last week? I went and watched a lot of Maury Povich, like you're not the father TikTok. Like I went just deep on like you are. I saw a man, he was the father of one fraternal twin, but not the father of the other fraternal twin. And like I got up and I just wa I walked away. <laughs> How does that happen? It's apparently with fraternal twins, it can happen. Wow. I, don't, I don't know. I am a fraternal twin. It's two different eggs. Boom. You're a twin. See, I know. You check your dad. You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> ask, ask Rob about this. <laughs> I, think, I mean, check. I think me and my brother are the same, but it, but it's on, two different me, eggs, so it could happen. Let me DM Maury. We'll take care of this. <laughs> Wait, I love. There's a Maury Povich side of TikTok. I love I hearing mean, this, just, and I don't it, know how I'm not on it. It's just Maury Povich, and it's like it was him, and then it was like other people reposting, you know, the Maury stuff, and then I found this like bounty hunter in Texas that is doing a similar thing where he gets hired by one person in a couple to determine if the partner is cheating mm -hmm. and they, the partner comes in and does a, a lie detector test. And it's like some tatted up like 26 year old kid. Who's just like, when I asked you, if you go online to look at other people and try to date them, you said, no, the lie detector said that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and then the woman or the guy is like, no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. And then the bounty hunter guy is like, you know what else he hired us for or she hired us for was to follow you. And every single time it comes out that the partner was cheating and then they bring in the partner they bring in the the you know interloker the the person that was like you know the having the affair with and then that guy or, or woman is just like what's going on here why am i here what are you doing with this other man or woman i thought i loved you you, you told me you loved me you're dating it's like a double life so it's it, what i realized was my maury povich wormhole mate gave me this yeah. It, yeah. it did this to me right you know just like during the election i watched like an hour of trump supporters protesting in long island and like blm protesters going back at them and then that sent me into just a solid week of like protest tiktok mm -hmm. uh you know that kind of tiktok so whew, i mean what else i could get into like there was a while where i was into like the Korean dance TikTok. I don't know where that went. I don't know how to get it back. I don't know who I gotta talk to. Yeah. To get that back in the algo. We all have things that are we either are like, why am I seeing this? Please go away. Or why am I no longer seeing this? Please come back. And that's and TikTok is just this wormhole. You don't know why they started showing it to you. You don't know why they stopped or if you'll ever see it again. It's a very strange hole that we all fall into. 
Yeah, I like the like little tutorials. There was a while that I was in like finance TikTok where it's just a guy like, hey, I'm Frank. Here's how I, I'm investing. Here's how I trade options. And it's like a spreadsheet. And it's like <laughs> graphics. Like, here's hockey stick growth. These <laughs> fucking things. I feel like Melissa and I are usually on the same side at the same time because we're always sharing videos with each other. So there was recently we were on Munchausen TikTok, which mm. then led to all these other crazy like serious problem problematic tiktok so much as in tiktok you can get on a rabbit hole of that what that oh munchausen is basically when a parent says their kid like can't walk basically or it has this oh. disease and the kid's totally fine it's it's a fake disease so then there are all these people on tiktok who are coming out and saying like i don't talk to my mom anymore she had me in a wheelchair for eight years and mm -hmm. i didn't need to be in a wheelchair and all her videos are about her journey and then there's dozens more of these people like that as well that's terrifying how what did you do what have you done to get there i have no idea i'm link. gonna blame melissa i literally i said it to you and i said I'm on Munchausen TikTok. I'm going to watch all these videos now. Goodbye. I will talk to you yeah. in a few days. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Very fascinating. All right. So each week we discuss a side of TikTok. So we thought it'd be perfect to talk about fraudster TikTok with you. So the first thing I'm going to bring up is Oprah. So I mm. got so excited. My friend sent me what I thought was Oprah joined TikTok, like hallelujah. I love Oprah. And it's a video of her cooking breakfast, singing. She seems super happy. And I actually shared it to our Instagram. Like a day later, I go to her account to see if she posts more video. And it says her account's taken down for community standard issues. So it wasn't the real Oprah who posted. It was some fake person. She had had over, you know, like hundreds of thousands of followers already, but taken down. Yeah. This is what there's one thing you can't do on the Internet. It's like the Internet. Uh, and like, there's a lot of things that the platforms will let you do. Basically anything. They're right. There's that section 230 of like the you know, um, government code that allows, gives platforms immunity from everything, right? The only, the thing that they will not stand for is when someone's actual name, especially a celebrity, a public figure is used when that person is like, Hey, that's not me. Right. right? You see this a lot with basketball players. Uh, I actually interviewed Lisa Ann, the adult film actress. She's had like five different fake accounts. And these are people that like, have made money off her name and everything and all this stuff. And she's had to like lobby all the social media companies to like get these accounts out. But they're all like, you're a porn star. Who cares? And it's like very sad to state of affairs. But like, you know, it's a, if it's Oprah or if it's a basketball player or a sports athlete or a movie celebrity or someone else, they they will clamp down on that very quickly. Yeah, Oprah's people found it probably within like 30 seconds and they were like, all right, it's it's done. Yeah. yeah. It was such an innocent video too. It was literally just Oprah like cooking dinner. That's why I think everyone yeah. thought it was real. Like it wasn't weird. Dina's on this weird, I don't know if she told you when you guys chat, Dina's on elite TikTok where it's a lot of like purposefully fake brands. Like it'll be like... Mm. Um, you did Sour Patch so. Kids, but it's not actually Sour Patch Kids. But you look at their content and you immediately know this is not actually Sour Patch Kids. Really? So I think because it was, it felt like real Oprah content, that's what made it really like 
jarring. We assumed it was the real one. Right. Yes. When if you make something so boring and, and then like make it banal and basic, then it's just like, yeah, it must be real. I mean, why not? Why? Yeah. Who would do something? Who would yeah. fake something like this? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very sad. That person who made the fake Oprah TikTok is dead, by the way. <laughs> Oprah had him assassinated. I don't know if you guys caught that. that was, I was on assassinated TikTok and they're like, yeah, this guy's dead. <laughs> Him and his family, they're all dead now. <laughs> uh, so the, the next kind of fraudster topic we have is someone named Cookie Kowawi or Kwau. And she posted a ton of videos about not getting proper credit for her song Vibe, which if anyone listens to TikTok, it's the back it up song. So it's if I back it up, is it fat enough? And it goes, throw it back, back, back. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, her video, she posted like about 10 videos on her account about people are arguing, like you are getting credit. Why, you know, why you keep posting videos, but really the song has millions and millions of views now. And she joined TikTok a little later. So she's saying, oh, well, I didn't get the credit I deserved as it was catching fire. Now, what are your thoughts about that? I actually, when it comes to the musicians that are on TikTok, or the people's that audio that get that gets on TikTok, I actually don't care because it's like, listen, it's a wrap. You know what I mean? If you wanted it, you could lock it down. You could file a copyright claim. I know people don't have the resources to do that in a lot of times, but there's like ways to do that if you want to assert. But it's kind of like I don't know if you remember Girl Talk. It's oh, I like remember that, it. Yeah, that yeah, it. that's like remix culture, right? And that's like the fundamental part of that's the internet. You know, if you didn't want this to happen then you should have really thought about all those things. And I know that sounds like very harsh when it's coming out, but at the same time, I'm like, it's TikTok. You're famous now. Your, your music is everywhere. Go to any production company. Go to any music company. Go to anywhere and be like, here's my song. The, the fans, the kids may not be giving me credit, but someone knows that you're skilled enough to make that music. That's what matters. That's all that matters. Why do you need to? There's no, there's no. Just go work. Just go work more. That's all. I never wanted fame. I just want to keep working. That's it. Yeah. It, that's what me and Dina have spoken about this too. The two of us feel like, well, I won't speak for Dina, but I know like we were like, yeah, like it's so cool to just be able to say like, I have a viral sound. I have a viral audio. And then go pitch a production company. Go pitch like a music production company. Tell them like, hey, here's what I have. I'm viral. I'm famous now give me actual money to do this next time. Like, and maybe that's like an old school way. Like, I don't know. Yeah, both me and Dina have like worked in more traditional TV production. So maybe that's our like too old for TikTok speaking. Like we assume this is like a way for you to get a real job, but maybe they don't think of it like that. I mean, maybe, but I think that's a, I, I would agree with that very generous interpretation of like a reasoning behind it, right? I'm like, I could go with you on that. But I'm still just like, just go get some work. God damn, do you know how hard it is to get this famous? Yeah. Have that many people? You know, the first thing I said when our when Fraudsters was coming out, and I've been doing comedy since I was 18, so I'm 30, so it was like 18 years I've been at this, right? And the thing I said, I was like, the you know what? I said to my wife, I was like, do you know what the worst kind of comment to get is when you launch something new? No comments at all. And like, I would rather have people tell me it sucks. I'd rather have someone tell me to go kill myself and like jump off a bridge and all these things. It'd be fantastic because at least some people are having an emotional experience to something I created. Yeah. But like when you just get ignored, 
oh, I mean, I've spent years in the shadows, years in the darkness, just putting out stuff that no people are like, mm, not even, just walking right by. And the fact that you get something that millions of that stuff, that song was in my mind oh, yeah. for weeks, burned it. I would just be like doing anything. If I could back it up. I was drunk doing it on benches and shit. I mean, I, good for you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Use it. What, so this is an interesting case. So this next one is Julia Keith on TikTok mocked one of like Trump's dance moves where he he's got you know we've all sort of seen it he like fist bumps and then like brings the elbow in so it's a it was a great premise for a TikTok video she did like a how to do the Donald Trump dance and she was mocking him obviously um and to all of her followers it was very obvious she was mocking him but somehow it got onto Trump supporter TikTok and they all were like, oh my gosh, like she's teaching us how to dance like Trump, like praise be. Like they really, they, and then she, I think she was featured on, what was it, Dina? Like, Fox? I think uh, Ivanka, I oh, think no, reposted it. Yeah, exactly. So once Ivanka reposted, Ivanka's like, look how amazing this is. Like this dance is going viral and this girl loves Trump, but it's the complete <laughs> opposite. That's where it gets yeah. weird. It's just taking out of context. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's the fucking internet, right? It's such a big place that that you could have all of these things exist together. It actually reminds me of the the Pepe meme frog, right? The Pepe frog was a nice liberal artist who made a frog, right? He was a, he was a nice liberal guy. I think he was a New York City artist. He made this frog, and then all of a sudden, it got co-opted by the alt right and QAnon and all these people, the Trump support. And now the Pepe frog is like the symbol for American Nazis today. Oh you know what I mean? <laughs> Poor Pepe. Like this is how this is how it happens. <laughs> and so that's like the the fact that we have such a, a reduced amount of like literacy in the internet. We are not internet literate at all as a society. You know, we have our brains have grown, but our, our brains have not grown rather. And everything else in society has gotten crazier, has gotten faster, has gotten more complex. But like somehow we still have an amygdala that's the same size as when the caveman fucking existed. And it still <laughs> triggers us even more. Mm -hmm. And these devices and these things, especially something like on TikTok, where you're used to seeing such a small piece of very kind of uh, evocative information trigger us in some way. And then everyone just follows suit. Yeah. Well, you mentioned an amygdala, but I don't know if this next person actually has one. It's that vegan teacher. So she is an extremely polarizing person on TikTok. And she has this feud with John Robert Bell. His handle's at Joe Robe. So basically, Joe Robe just posts videos like saying how like nonsensical that vegan teacher is and uh, Melissa did a deep dive into into that vegan teacher yeah I uh <laughs> I basically saw that she's one of like the biggest fraudsters like the way you know I think you sort of define it like she will she embodies this idea of like vegan love all animals but then her content and her actions People call her like a dictator. Like she will shame people into not being vegan, like being vegan. She'll be like, 
how dare you eat animals? Like, no matter, like, you don't really have allergies, like you can be a vegan. And so, yeah, like this, this guy, like, yeah, John Robert, like he does a great job of calling her out and being like, she is a fraud. Like this woman doesn't actually embody the lifestyle that she claims to have. You ever know those people that are always like, oh, I meditate and I, uh, I perform an ayahuasca ceremony with friends um, once every several months. And I, you know, I really am just trying to focus on my heart center and my chakras. And I'm, I'm really feeling like really go fuck yourself. <laughs> you ass. I will, I will murder your family. That is, they are the least calm people ever. They are not centered. They're not, there's nothing happening. And the more I think people live that like kind of, um, ascetic lifestyle of like veganism and it's very healthy. I saw, I saw parts of that movie, uh, that with Arnold Schwarzenegger and they were like, veganism helps the blood flow better in your body and all that stuff. I get it. I get it. It's good for you. Okay. Meat is a huge industry that's murdering us slowly. I get it. It's destroying the environment. I get it. I get it. But like, <laughs> but don't, it, it's the same thing as when conservatives come out and they say, I'm for family values. And then you see them tapping their foot in the bathroom stall at an airport. Yeah. You know, that it is the exact same thing as John Edwards coming out and saying that he's for poverty. He's like the good looking guy. He's got great hair. It's all about his family. And then he's hooking up with his quote documentarian that's following him around everywhere. You know, the, these are the types of things where, again, it kind of, I think it also goes back to, that's her reality distortion field. That's the same thing. And you see that time and time again. Sometimes it works. Like Steve Jobs had a reality distortion field. We got an iPhone. Yeah. Then we also got Donald Trump. He has a reality distortion field. We got Donald Trump. You know, Elizabeth Holmes, same thing. You know, it's good things. You know, George Lucas thought when he made Star Wars, he was like, this is going to be huge. You guys don't have no idea what you're talking about. I'm keeping all the rights to the action figures. Fuck you. You have no idea. Everyone's like, this guy's fucking crazy. This is like his second movie. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, look what happened. So it's it's a very delicate kind of balance there. And she has fucked up. <laughs> yes. So you mentioned reality distortion. Our next is pretty much my favorite. And she's definitely a fraudster because she's always getting canceled. And her name's Trisha Paytas, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So she was a stripper and then she was an actor and then she started this vlog and blog in 2006 and quickly gained millions of followers. And what I, I love her and I hate her and I feel like everyone else does, but she identifies as a chicken nugget. She also said she was transgender, female to male. She also now claims to be Jewish when she a year ago claimed to be Roman Catholic. Hell yeah. And I'm just going to read <laughs> a, funny, a funny quote from her was, she said, when you feel like a chicken nugget, you feel like not delicious. Well, you feel delicious, but you also feel like fried and fake on the inside. I'm pink goop and now I'm a chicken nugget. And then she added, I don't think I should be considered crazy for identifying as such. Well, you know, at least she's accurate about the pink goop. <laughs> I the appreciate thing, that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Have you guys ever read the graphic novel of um, Trans Metropolitan? No. no. It's like the main character is like this Hunter S. Thompson type character, and it's like a dystopian future. 
and he's walking through and there's these different parts of town and everything and everything's crazy. And there's one part of town where you can download your consciousness to like a data cloud. There's another part of town where you can go into this area and you live like a caveman. And there's another part where there's like this whole sect of people that basically get to define who they are with genetic uh, mutations, genetic changing themselves, right? And I think we're in a stage of, yes, there are people that have lived with us in society that have never been able to be themselves, right? Trans people, people in the LGBTQIA kind of um, group. And then there's people who are just like, fuck it, I wanna get some views on TikTok. I'm a chicken nugget, yeah. fuck the world, <laughs> fuck you. You can't tell me who I am. If you get to be you who you are, I'm gonna be who I am because that's me, that's my life. It's America, free country, go fuck yourself. I'm a president. <laughs> that is, I keep asking Dina, like, I don't understand this Trisha girl. You just explained it to me perfectly. I finally understand who this <laughs> oh, girl is. Oh, good. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> really did, yeah. I, I found yeah. myself on the side of TikTok where I keep getting these videos that Trisha is anti-Semitic. So it's basically a bunch of people, whether they're Jewish or not, kind of just saying anti-Semitism is wrong and cultural appropriation is wrong. Because recently during the Jewish holidays, she thinks she was like, eating a whole gefilte fish like as a barbarian and like putting like KFC on like a Passover plate. So very polarizing figure. And as long as she washed the plates separately <laughs> from the day, I don't think that's, I mean, what are we going to split hairs? Right. Here, guys? And then you can bury it in the, in the backyard and then, you know, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, it's, it's for clicks and it's it's and she has followers and it's whether it's wrong or right you know whether you consider it a fraudster or not yeah i don't i don't know i you know i think she's definitely a fraudster the thing in our show that we use as like a defining mark because we're not trying to say like you know if you're a liar you're a fraudster right we all have those levels of of lying like i said in the i think the first episode I can't tell you the number of dinner plans I've lied to get out of because I just want to sit in the dark at home. You know what I mean? Obviously, this is pre-pandemic. I'll go to dinner with literally anyone now <laughs> if you want to hang out. But, uh, you know, it's it's do you or have you or are you taking advantage of vulnerable people? And, and for our show, it's taking advantage of vulnerable people financially, right? And a lot of times in our world, when you do that, even especially on TikTok or some of these other social media sites, that is money, right? If you are building a following, you're getting paid for that following. If you're in the creator's fund or if you're selling ads, uh, doing product placements, and you're basing that all off of fraud, you know, you can either say you're a performer and this is all an act or you're a liar and you're a fraudster, right? Those are the two paths to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, Alex Jones in his divorce proceedings, right? He claims to always have been the Infowars guy, right? He's speaking truth to power. But in his divorce proceedings, his defense against his ex-wife was he is an artist and that he is a performance artist and that all of the things that he says should not be taken as truth, but as performance. So you could do whatever you want these days, apparently. And, and that's, I think, the, the line that at least our show tries to draw as much as possible. Oh, that's sort of horrifying. Oh, my God. We are already yeah. in the dystopia. That's Absolutely. Horrifying. 100 we're already in the, in the, uh, I think <laughs> my wife's in social impact, you know, and like, you know, she tries to make the world a better place. Like our friend Amanda. And like, I was hanging out with her friends and stuff a, a few weeks ago 
And they're like, oh, so what do you think? What do you think is happening? I was like, oh, I think we're in the middle of a hundred year decline in America. And they said all these positive things that are happening. You know, people are getting more engaged. I was like, oh, yeah, all that is true. Absolutely. We're still in a hundred year decline. This is where we already fucked up. It's already a wrap. There's no way to get out of it. I don't think short of like a small revolution, <laughs> will we be able to like shift the way these things work? Like regulating the, um, you know, big internet platforms is probably one good way to do it. You know, restructuring capitalism to be a little less capitalist mm -hmm. is probably a really good thing to do. You know, I just think we're kind of fucked right now. You know, you know how we get out of it? We all become chicken nuggets. That That's our way out. I think I've cracked it. <laughs> you could find me at your nearest McDonald's. If I've disappeared, that's where I went. Well, okay. We'll, we'll try to wrap up this portion of the segment with something a little more positive. Tell okay. us who are your favorite creators on TikTok? Okay. Let me go to my, let me go. There's uh well, two turn, turn, two turn, Tony. I've already said he is, he is a phenomenal Nardwar. Have you guys gotten this Nardwar? N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. He's this incredibly nerdy music journalist that basically confronts musicians backstage for a quick interview and that he gives them a piece of knowledge, like a, a, a data point from something they did decades ago. And the artist, the musician, just, just like convulses with surprise. They like don't understand like, hip-hop artists would be like what the fuck man you a cop people <laughs> <laughs> like, get terrified he's amazing and then he always ends his interviews with do 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 and then he has them like do 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 there it is he waits for them to do that <laughs> and as awkward as we just were right now it makes for such a good tiktok um young young yosa i don't know if you guys are he's the so i'm a first gen iranian american and making fun of your parents is like a pastime for all first gen kids and his thing is pissing off my african parents and he's this young African-American guy who basically walks into his kitchen and he'll start doing like punk, hardcore punk rock music and he'll start screaming it. And he'll, be, he'll come into the kitchen and be like, cut my life in two pieces. <laughs> this is my last resort. <laughs> and scream it. And his fucking father is just standing there with his eyes wide open, <laughs> staring at his son. And then he's like about to hit him. <laughs> so, I think I've seen some of those videos. They are amazing, precious. There's also uh, it's uh, Alan R. He's this little Persian kid that also just pisses off his dad and he'll, like say a curse word. His mother has thrown a shoe at him, which brings back fond memories of my childhood. <laughs> Nankles, have you heard oh, of Nankles? He's a hip hop producer. Yes, I follow Nankles. him now. Nankles is insane. He's like a teenage, you know, hip hop producer that just looks insane. 
and just like I don't know, it's it's kind of insane. He's like Bill and I, the science guy, and a rapper. is he really? Oh That's yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like a mix of Bill and I, the science guy, and a rapper and a young boy. Um, there is oh, there was uh wait, well, there was another one. Jonathan, the Jonathan Moss, Moss is is very funny. He's like an awkward African American guy that gets hot women to bring him into this their home, and then <laughs> the woman will be like, "Hey, do you want to like?" You want to like hang out? You want to like? Why don't you come sit here by the couch? And then he's got the phone on him, and he's like, "Fuck no!" And he sprints out of the house. <laughs> he's like, "You're not gonna get me!" <laughs> he gets out of there super quick. Uh, there's another woman that she is really good at golf, but she does all these trick shots, and she does things where she'll like hit a ball, a golf ball off a wall into like a solo cup, oh, or she'll wow. like toss the ball, and like it's kind of phenomenal so um that's just a smattering of the people that i'm following that's days. some good i mean we all need a distraction from the apocalypse of our lives yeah so i, I yeah we've got tiktok for it absolutely all right so our final segment we call the lightning round for no reason Ooh. in particular <laughs> but we're gonna throw a few questions at you um and they have to do broadly with podcasts TikTok fraudsters. So, uh, all right, quick round. You ready for the first question? I'm ready. What is your favorite podcast? Definitely not my own. One hundred percent not my own. I can tell you that much. Um, you know what? My favorite podcast is probably. And this is kind of nerdy, but it's Intelligent Squared. Uh, it's IQ TV because my wife and I listen to it when we go on road trips, and it's like one of the few things where we listen and then we actually have like a very long discussion about it afterwards. Mm. So I'm not big into like the comedy conversational podcast cause I'm in that space and it's like, I don't I don't need to hear that stuff. It's I, I live it. Right. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite one. I love that. What is your favorite or the most interesting fraudster? Oh my God. Oh, there's just so many. That's so, it's like, what's your favorite band? Um, <laughs> my favorite or interesting. I mean, honestly, I think, um, okay, my favorite insidious, terrible, disgusting fraudster is Jim Baker at, at this point. And that, that could change mainly because I, I, we did three episodes on him. We only wanted to do two, but we did three and he's a televangelist. His, his life spans decades and he was supposed to be in prison for 40 years but at his sentencing the judge brought in his own personal opinion his in the sentencing the judge said you know as a religious person i'm sick of you know snake oil salesmen like you ruining uh for us and i'm paraphrasing what he said but on appeal the appeals court was even said that they were reluctant to overturn this sentencing because of because of all the evidence of him cheating people, you know, and there's a huge story. You can listen to the show about it. There's so many things. This man constantly lies. He constantly uses religion to take advantage of vulnerable people. I'm talking about people that don't have the money to donate, that don't have the money. We're we're talking about the, the same uh, group of people that, that are that are $400 away from being bankrupt. That are being that are being put in poverty, that are still giving their money to a guy like this. They're still being conned into thinking that the end of the world is upon us, 
and they should buy like a six liter bucket of taco mix because that's how they're going to survive the apocalypse because the end of times are coming because of gay people or because of whatever the fuck he made up at that time. And that kind of stuff is upsets me so much. One, because I, my family's from Iran and religion is used to oppress everyone there right now. They have gender apartheid happening right now. And it is some of the most insidious, most torturous regimes in the world. And that's why whenever, you know, we've had, we just had an election, you know, and I, I always tell Republicans when I debate them, I actually love this country more than you do. And I, here's why. And I'm so grateful to, to live here, but I'm also so angry that someone, that our freedom of speech and that, that capitalism allows someone like that to just run amok. And he's out there and he's still got a show. And he sexually assaulted a woman in the 80s. I mean, this man is, is a terrible person. And we give him a pass because he's got a soft face, because he makes a certain audience happy. Because if you yell at someone who's a religious figure, you're suddenly anti that religion. And I, I don't buy it and I hate it and I want it, I want it to be gone. I don't want that to be in America. So when when we say favorite fraudster, we actually always are talking about someone that we dislike the most. Yeah. Oof. This is why everyone needs to listen to your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned earlier that you scared away a lot of wedding guests by forcing them yeah. to talk about TikTok. What's the worst thing? somebody said to you about TikTok. Oh, uh, are you a pedophile? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it was one of my friends and he was joking, but like, I was like, no, listen, the kids can have a good time. They can just dance. Isn't it nice to see kids dance just for joy to bring happiness into your heart? Is that so wrong? If you were seeing your niece, or your nephew do a dance, all of a sudden it's not wrong. It's not a problem. <laughs> I'm seeing someone else's niece or nephew. All of a sudden I'm some sort of creep. <laughs> yes. All right. We're going to switch it around. The best thing someone said to you about TikTok. Oh, just recently I was hanging out with the friend whose wedding it was last year. And he was like, yo, man. Fucking TikTok is huge now. You were you were early on that shit, and I was like, I wasn't even early. I'm like, that's just how late you were. Yes. Yeah. Redemption. Yes. This one is a little bit self-serving, um, but we're curious, and maybe our listeners are too. What is your greatest advice for podcasters? Oh. Um, so I, I did my first podcast when I was like a junior in college and I, I had all these like connections hooked up to my old iBook laptop. And it was like a white laptop, you know, those and all these things. And it was a thing called hookah talk. And we all sat around a hookah. It just had regular tobacco in it. And everyone was just talking at the same time. And it was a, a shit show. And since then, I've never really stopped doing podcasts. There were some moments where I stopped here and there and, but I knew that it was something that was going to catch on. And I think uh, my advice would be to follow your gut and follow your instincts. And to that end, grind it out. It's never fast. Like your show is just starting, right? I mean, th this is going to be something that if you're passionate about it, if you like the process, you have to love the process of doing it and that you have to do it for an extremely long time. Like we're on the last podcast network where last podcast on the left is the flagship show. And those are my buddies from 10 years ago. 
And they've been doing that show for 10 years mm -hmm. and they have grinded out episodes week after week after week. So uh, there's no like Gary V document. Don't create kind of thing here for yeah. me to tell anyone. There is just the, the fact that it is a, a blue collar show up at the steel mill every day and do the work and enjoy the work that you're doing. Like I could not be having more fun working countless hours on fraudsters and still be frustrated that I'm not even creating the stuff that I want to be making because being a little dissatisfied is going to drive you. And if you just grind it out over and over and over again, and you do that for several years, good things will eventually happen. Uh, I love that advice. And if we follow it, we'll have to change the name of our podcast to geriatrics that are too, too old for TikTok. <laughs> Way too old. <laughs> that that might be. Way too old for TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that is fantastic advice. And we are so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much. You are amazing. And everyone so should fun. check out your podcast, Fraudsters. Please invite me back to talk about TikTok again. No one talks to me about TikTok. But you, guys. you know, you found two people who could talk for hours on end. And uh, where can everyone find you? And what are you working? What else are you working on? Yeah, so I'm at Cena now, S-E-E-N-A-N-O-W on Instagram and Twitter. I don't know if I changed my TikTok. I'm Cena underscore G, I think, right now on TikTok. But I'm going to change that soon as well. Uh, working on Fraudsters, you know, our production company makes a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you could check out Dinette uh, by a great director, a friend of ours named Shana Feinberg. She did this amazing series. Uh, there's a couple seasons, I think, either on Brick TV or you can just Google it and you'll find it there. But I would recommend watching that. And yeah, and I directed a thing called Trollville a couple years ago. That's about Internet trolls that I think is really fun and very weird and a little extreme maybe for some people. But I love the Internet. It has destroyed much of society, but I grew up with it and I can't help but want to hold it close and cuddle with it like a big spoon. <laughs> Yes, and we will be posting all the videos that we spoke about. I will be digging deep into TikTok to find them all and put them on our blog for all of our listeners. And the blog is tooldfortiktok.com, number two and the number four. You can also find us on Instagram at tooldfortiktokpod, also number two, number four. And yeah, thanks so much for joining us. As always, rate, review, and subscribe if you like the podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.